Over the past several months, we've been traveling through Mark's story about Jesus. And I think that um, for those of you that know me, I really believe that this time that we spend reading God's Word and then talking about it and then moving it towards learning and living it out, I really, I really believe that the emphasis is always on encouragement. Uh, there's some emphasis on comfort. Uh, there's like reassurance. I mean, I think the good, I really believe the good news is the best news. Uh, I don't believe there's, a, I don't believe we have a negative message to the world. I believe we have a positive message to the world. But you know, there's times that Jesus' words shock you, dismay you. Or appalling is the word really, literally. And so that's where we're going today. Shocked by his words. That's the opposite of being encouraged by his words. So Mark chapter 10, between 17 and 34 is where we're going to be. And we start with this rich man that you got to love. Jesus went out into the street and a man came running up. He greeted him with great reverence, and he asked, Good teacher, what must I do to get eternal life? So he's very enthusiastic. I mean, if one of you ran at me and then got down on your knees and just said, You know, give me what you got today. You know, I think, man, I got to love you. That, you know, I would like say something, right? Not, you know, yeah, it would. Not, you're more than just a bump on the log. It would. It'd be like, wow. But at that beginning, by the end of the story, this man's face clouds over. He heard from Jesus the last thing he expected to hear. And he walked off with a heavy heart. And it doesn't stop there. Because as Jesus is explaining to the disciples what's going on, the disciples couldn't believe what they were were hearing. And then, I mean, it's like Jesus is missing all the signals. Jesus just kept on. And that set the disciples back on their heels. And it, it keeps going. Back on the road. They set out for Jerusalem. Jesus had a head start. That means Jesus... There was distance between Jesus and the disciples. And they were following. But they were puzzled, dismayed. And not just a little afraid. In a word book that I use... These expressions are important as long as you understand the very end of what I've written before we, we read the middle and the beginning. You're going to hear the word fear. But fear in the context of what we're looking at is dismay. The disciples are appalled. They're, they're horrified. They're shocked. By what Jesus is teaching. That's, that's, that's how you would define fear here. Expressions of fear and astonishment, dismay, 
serve to emphasize the revelatory content and the Christological significance of many incidents in the Synoptic Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You run into dismay, shocking again and again as revelation comes and as Christological significance, Jesus revealing himself as the Messiah. Mark 10.24 refers to the fear, the dismay, which the words of Jesus arouse in his disciples and may be seen in verse 26. That does not relate merely to his salvation of the rich, which doesn't affect the disciples personally, but to the general claim of Jesus, which men or women do not meet. In his demand for discipleship, I would would underline that. Jesus was very inviting. But once you start following him, there is a demand that accompanies discipleship. The Lord kindles fear and terror. He, He kindles dismay even among his followers, the disciples. What awakens terror, fear, dismay, shock in the disciples and those who follow is not the way to Jerusalem nor what is to be expected there. Rather, the power of the Lord who holds his own and their fate in his hands. That's just to give some explanation to what we're about to read. You ready? As Jesus went out into the street, a man came running up, greeted him with great reverence. He literally knelt before him. And he asked, good teacher, what must I do to get eternal life? How do I enter into your kingdom? Which is within, again, the context. How do I get the life of your kingdom? How do I obtain that? And Jesus says, why do you you call me good? No one is good, only God. Only God. You know the commandments, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, don't cheat, honor your father and mother. Teacher, I have from my youth, I've kept them all. And Jesus looked looked him hard in the eyes and he loved him. Because this is a sincere, enthusiastic, reverent person. And Jesus said, there's one last thing left. Go sell whatever you own and give it to the poor. And all your wealth will then be heavenly wealth. And then come follow me. And that's when the man's face clouded over. The man's shocked. (laughs) The man's in dismay. The guy, he's appalled by what Jesus is asking. This was the last thing he expected to hear. So he walked off with a heavy heart. He was holding on tight to a lot of things, and he wasn't about to let them go. What shocked the rich man was, your stuff is in the way of following me. If you want me, you got to let go of your stuff because your stuff has got hold of you. This guy probably, the wealth, I mean, we think of of wealth like, well, okay, I'm going to go cash out my checking account or I'm going to 
You know, go get my savings account. We're, we're talking about property. We might be talking about a business. You know, we're talking about the stuff maybe handed on from family to family. And Jesus is saying, I want you to go sell your stuff. I want you to go sell your property. I want you to sell your business. You know, he might even be saying, you know, not only don't, don't just give money to the poor. Why don't, you, why don't you give your property to the poor? Wow. Well, that rich man was shocked by those words. So this is the same guy. This is the guy that enthusiastically ran, knelt before Jesus, and then he walks away from Jesus. Sorrowful. He's, he's unable to do what Jesus has asked. And he's dismayed. So Jesus then says to the disciples, Do you have any idea how difficult it is for people who have it all to enter God's kingdom? And the disciples couldn't believe what they were hearing. They, like the rich man, are appalled by the words of Jesus. They're dismayed, they're shocked. And Jesus, he's not picking up. I mean, I don't know if their faces are just like, we don't know. But Jesus just keeps going on. You can't imagine how difficult. I'd say it's easier for a camel to go through the the needle's eye than for the rich to get into God's kingdom. And that set the disciples back on their heels. It's the same, it's the same verb that just was used. They are again, and to a greater degree, dismayed, shocked, appalled by what Jesus has just said. And so they say, then, who has any chance at all? Who has any chance at all to enter your kingdom? If this enthusiastic, reverent, Torah-keeping Person, in, in, who can make it? Do you have any idea, Jesus says, how difficult it is for people who have it all to enter God's kingdom? They're shocked by those words. You can't imagine how difficult. I'd say it's easier for a camel to go through the, the needle's eye. And for the rich to get into God's, they were even more shocked. The words of Jesus overwhelmed them with dismay. They were appalled. They were horrified by what Jesus was saying. They've seen this enthusiastic, reverent Torah keeper. He's wealthy, like he's got it all. And then within the context, we've had religious leaders come, and they're going to come back in the context. And then we've got the empire builders, the Romans around. I mean, these are all the players, and they're, they're just swirling with, well, who's, going to get, who's going to enter the kingdom? So Jesus says it bluntly. You know, Jesus isn't blunt all the time. 
Most of the time, Jesus isn't that blunt. But there are times that Jesus is blunt. Jesus sometimes makes us uncomfortable. Jesus dismays us, shocks us. This is one of those times. Who has any chance? Jesus is answering no chance at all. If you think you can pull it off by yourself. So if you think as a man or a woman that your enthusiasm or your reverence or your wealth or your religious prestige or the kingdom that you've built, this empire, if you think those things are going to get you into my kingdom, you are wrong. Human effort cannot get you into my kingdom. But every chance in the world if you let God do it. Now, I wish I could say that. Well, that's easy. Just let God do it. Just let God do it. How many of us have discovered it's easy? Just let God do it. There's some little mechanism within us, isn't there? That kind of resists just let God do it. It is impossible for us to enter the life of God's kingdom ourselves. In our own efforts, with our own merits. It's only possible for God to save us in the way that he determines best. He's got the whole world in his hands. <laughs> He's got the whole world in his hands. We got to stop trying to help. Back on the road, they set out for Jerusalem, and Jesus had a head start on them, and they were following, puzzled. And not just a little afraid. And he took the twelve and began again to go over what to expect next. Listen to me carefully. We're on our way up to Jerusalem. When we get there, the Son of Man will be betrayed by the religious leaders and scholars. They will sentence him to death. Then they will hand him over to the Romans who will mock and spit on him and give him the third degree and then kill him. After three days... He'll rise again. So as they're back on the road, rich man shocked, disciples shocked, other followers shocked, here comes the last shock. And now Jesus sets out down the road toward Jerusalem and there's distance between he and his disciples. Mark doesn't want us to miss that. The twelve remain astonished. They're overwhelmed with dismay. And then the crowd that's following along with him, they too, likewise, are in shock and horror. And Jesus says, The salvation of my kingdom is coming, but it's coming in the way that God will bring it. Number one, through betrayal and condemnation by the religious. Now, I want to remind you, 
The religious that betray and contemn Jesus are the people that were on the planet at the time that had the longest history with God of every, any people on the planet. This is, this is the people of Israel who God had revealed himself to, had made promises to, had led and led and directed here, there. This is the people that had revelation from the true God about who he was and what he's up to. Now, I don't, I don't think it would be any different. I don't, I, don't, I don't care what race you are or, in a sense, not even what religion you are. It's within our makeup to take what God gives us and to pervert it and make it our own. Take it out of his hands into our hands. So this isn't a statement against Israel or their history. It's just a reality that the salvation of God's kingdom being restored to the earth comes by betrayal and condemnation by the religious. And then the religious needed an empire to kill Jesus. They could not kill him. They didn't have the authority to kill him. And so the religious, in partnership with the state, through the death penalty, authorized by Roman empirical power, crucified Jesus. Salvation is coming to the earth in a way that we would not ever expect it to come. And then, through the bodily resurrection of Jesus from the dead. You know, even those words, you know, this isn't the first time that Jesus has, has told them, what this third time Jesus has told them, this is what's about to happen. The first time that that happens, Peter is appalled by what Jesus is saying. No. Jesus, no. So again, all of this is just saying this is our state as humans. It's, it's near impossible for us to let God save us because we want to save ourselves. And God's saying it's not going to work that way. You have to let me do it in the way that I choose to do it. So when we come to our kingdom time, and you know, what do we ask? the Holy Spirit to produce in our lives from what we've shared in conversation today in this passage. It's kind of where I started. You know, so many words of Jesus I find comfort in, I find encouragement, I find reassurance. I mean, more often than not. You know, when, I'm, when I'm looking for, I, I need comfort, I need encouragement, I need some reassurance, I'm going to go to the word, I'm going to find the words of Jesus, what he said in that Boisters me. So how, how, how do I handle the words of Jesus that dismay me, that horrify me, that shock me, that are appalling to me? So that's part of the disciples' life as well. How do I handle those kinds of words? 
So Jesus is calling in to tell us what, what's up. What's he got to say? <laughs> you know, when have the words of Jesus so shocked us that we slow our pace And we allow him to move a little bit further away from us. And we kind of keep our distance from him. Because he's dismayed us. We've been shocked by his words. That is a disciple's experience. And finally, how well... Do we accept the impossibility for us to save ourselves on our own terms? How well do we accept the impossibility for us to save ourselves on our own terms? And I look at the, the state of our world. I mean, I, I wish I could say, wow, we're in better shape because Jesus came. And in some ways we are. I'm reading a great book. I've recommended Who Is This Man by John Ortberg. It's all about the impact that Jesus has had. I need to be reminded that Jesus has had a bigger impact on the world. Because <laughs> sometimes the headlines are so blaring, I just wonder what in the world. But do I accept the impossibility of me changing our world on my terms. I believe that God has begun the mechanism to change our world for the better. That's begun, but it's on His terms. And I, and I can join Him in letting His kingdom come and set things right on the earth, beginning today. But it's on his terms. It's not my terms. So I wonder, could you take these questions home with you? And could you talk about? I don't remember. I was trying to think back. You know, I don't remember a time that I've been given permission in someone teaching from the Bible that I could be horrified by the words of Jesus, dismayed or shocked. And I just, the reality, that's, that's a reality in this word. So I think we need to talk about it with each other. So can you like go home and like maybe open up the Bible and like maybe reread this and think, I don't know where he got that stuff. Where did he get that stuff? Just ask the Holy Spirit. Is that really here? He just make that up. But have conversation that really help us to move along the pathway in following Jesus where he's going and bringing the salvation of his kingdom to this earth. Would you like to stand with me?
Jesus, as we stand before you, I, I so much want the enthusiasm of this rich man to count. I so much want his kneeling before you, his reverence, his confession. I've kept those laws. I've done it. I've kept Torah. I mean, Lord, I want those to count. Lord, even his wealth, I want to be able to say, Lord, but I'm, I'm sure he did some good with that wealth. Or just within me, there's this mechanism that I want these things to count. Lord, I want the, like the whole history of Israel to count. But Lord, I just sense that you're saying no. My kingdom will not come from your enthusiasm. My kingdom will not come from your reverence. My kingdom will not come from your obedience, even to my words. It won't come because you have wealth. It will only come on my terms. So, Lord, I'm just left really amazed that you would allow yourself to be betrayed and condemned by those leaders of a religion that went back thousands of years to a revelatory God who made himself known and who even made promises about this coming kingdom. Lord, I'm amazed that in being condemned by that religious community that you would allow yourself to be killed by the Roman Empire, by the power of the state, executed on the cross. And through that betrayal, through that condemnation, through that death, that judgment, that, Lord, you would be raised from the dead on your terms, on your terms, so that we could enter your kingdom. Lord, I pray for us as a community that we would be able to not dismiss those times when you dismay us with your teaching, when, when we're shocked by what you're teaching. I pray that you'd help us to, to process, to keep following, and to be able, oh Lord, to be honest that there are times that you just confound us. But Lord, we come to the fact that we are in your hands Thank you for that safe place, that secure place to be in your hands, for our fate to be determined by you. Lord, I ask for your blessing upon us as a community of people to be able to take passage like this and be able to talk about, oh, wow, that's really so that's a difficult thing that Jesus said. Lord, help us to have good conversation with one another. As we bless you, we thank you in your name. Amen. So enjoy the day, enjoy this week, and we look forward to our celebration next Sunday.